This is Good Together, the podcast that inspires you to create change in the world every day. Keep listening for actionable tips and tricks to incorporate eco-friendly practices into your daily life. We've been featured by Apple as the number one podcast for conscious consumers, and we can't wait to welcome you into our community of changemakers. I'm Lisa. And I'm Laura. We're the founders of Brightly.eco, the new platform for conscious consumers. We believe in supporting all creatures, great and small. And our team of experts show you how to live and shop responsibly by sharing world-changing lifestyle ideas, products, and more. To read show notes from Good Together and to browse all of the planet-friendly goodness that we feature, head to brightly.eco slash podcast. And to help spread the word about the podcast, tap on this episode and share Good Together with your friends and family. A simple text message helps us grow and create change around the world. this podcast, you're a coffee drinker. Well, you might not be the coffee drinker, but odds are someone in your household is. Coffee is the second most consumed beverage in the United States, second only to bottled water. What? Come on, guys, bottled water? That's a rant for another time. Anyway, the type of coffee that you fill up your cup with really makes a difference in the world, whether we're talking about fair wages and employment, rainforest deforestation, or water conservation. We've got all the details on your favorite beans just in time for International Coffee Day on today's episode, and we hope that you remember a few tidbits next time you're shopping in that coffee aisle. Hey Lisa, how's it going? Hey Laura, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm just sitting here. It's actually pretty cloudy and rainy where I am, so I'm super glad to be drinking a cup of coffee. (laughs) Spoilers! uh, Coffee. (laughs) Of course, we are talking all things coffee today, and the reason why we picked uh, to do an episode about coffee right now is because September 29th is actually International Coffee Day, and some of you might know and remember October is a fair trade month, so we are talking all things coffee and sipping sustainably. Yeah, I mean, coffee is definitely one of the items that comes up frequently when people ask questions about what they can buy on an everyday basis that can make a difference. I mean, we all drink coffee, right? I think the last statistic I saw was coffee is the second most consumed beverage in the US coming only behind bottled water, which come on, folks. (laughs) That's a whole other episode. That's right. No more bottled water, please. But Apparently, 63% of American adults drink coffee daily, and about 400 million cups of coffee are consumed in the U.S. every day. Like, that's crazy. I mean, how much coffee do you drink, Lisa? I drink probably about one cup per day. I actually kind of lowered my coffee consumption recently, and so I'm drinking like Earl Grey tea with milk, like an old English lady. (laughs) (laughs) But I used to drink insane amount of coffee, especially when I was a student. I would drink like a double red eye with whatever, with coffee, and then multiple times a day. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, if you drink a lot of coffee, there is a lot of impact that you can make by choosing 
fair trade in artists, sustainably made and source clothing. Yeah, absolutely. So just to kind of put a number on that impact that you can make that Lisa just mentioned is, so in the U.S. alone, the coffee industry generated $225 billion, with a B, wow. dollars in 2015. So this is old, you know, yeah. pretty old data now. But basically what that means is if one in four bags of coffee were ethical, we could divert $56 billion towards positive supply chains, reforestation and more all the good stuff so just like let that sink in that is a huge impact and literally if one in four bags of coffee purchased were ethical just think about that right yeah 56 billion that's awesome i love you know me i love the numbers so thanks for sharing them so let's talk about where coffee comes from, right? So we have more recent statistics for that. From 2019 to 2020, 168,492 bags of coffee, of 60-kilo bag of coffee, were sold in the world. Again, 168,000 bags. That's interesting. Europe is, interestingly, and not surprisingly, is the biggest consumer. They bought 56,000 bags, followed by Asia and Oceania, and then North America. So we're... Fourth, interesting. Brazil, of course, unsurprisingly, is the biggest exporter, selling 22,000 of all of these bags. And then, interestingly, Indonesia, I didn't know that. Indonesia, Ethiopia, and Philippines are next. They're the biggest exporters. Yeah. That's super mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, just trying to understand a little bit more about where the beans are coming from when you're sitting down to have your cup of coffee also can kind of help you set uh, the stage in your mind mentally, right? These products are coming from places where they do not necessarily have systems in place to help champion workers. So that's what we're going to talk about a little bit later. That's kind of what inspired us. Like Lisa said, the Fair Trade USA is doing a big campaign on this. But when we think about like where the coffee actually comes from other than location, Coffee beans are actually the seed of a fruit. They're called coffee cherries. I actually got to see this because I went to an organic coffee farm in Hawaii. Oh, last time cool. I was in Hawaii. Of course, traveling now just seems like such a <laughs> such a luxury. But I got to go and actually pick the coffee cherries. And of course, they're really not what you think they are. They're sour. It's super interesting. But the reason why coffee is coming from certain parts of the world is because the plant, the coffee bush itself, thrives in countries with subtropical and equatorial climates. So interesting. Yeah, I knew the process as well. But yeah, that's awesome. I want to go and kind of see the production myself. That would be cool. Yeah. Let's talk about the major, I mean, it's a little bit nerdy, but we quickly just give you a quick overview. The major four coffee types, right? So Arabica, is that how you pronounce it? Arabica, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, this is the most common type in the US. Basically, Starbucks, which of course is not fair trade, uses 100% Arabica. So it's sweeter, has a more delicate flavor, is usually less acid and it thrives in rainforest climates like in brazil and then robusta yeah those are like i'm much much less known and i haven't i don't really know that maybe i've tried it before but robusta is the second most popular has more harsher flavor and contains more caffeine yeah, good to know easy to grow in more diverse climates usually from europe the middle east and africa and then the last two is liberica and excelsa have you heard of it i've never no i've never heard of it right they are more air obviously that's why we haven't heard of it and more fruity flavor and produced in southeast asia actually yes yeah, southeast asia is an interesting kind of thing that we've learned during the research for this episode i didn't realize that 
Indonesia is actually the second biggest export of coffee. That's cool. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting to think about the market share of these different four types of beans. And so, like you said, Arabica is the most common type, like you were saying, Lisa. And there, are, of course, are ways to source ethically produced beans of this type, but typically they're not, right? We just talked about the statistic. And so, you know, once you get the bean, then there are companies that will take the raw cherries, the coffee cherries, and then they process them. So you can't just go up to a coffee plant and grab one of those cherries and like put it in your grinder. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't really work that way. So of course, you know, there are people that come and pick the cherries, depends. There's either going to be an industrial scale picking operation where they use machines. But then of course, the more delicate varietals are picked by hand. That, of course, that specialty coffee is, is really when, when they're doing that, that handpicking. You know, once they get the cherries, there's two different methods of production, which I thought was really interesting. So the wet process is one of these processes, and it's the most modern technique. It's gentler on the coffee beans, but it uses a lot of water, mm-hmm. hence the word wet method. So one way that coffee can be made more ethically, even at this point, is for the wet mill to recycle the water. So I thought that was kind of interesting. You know, apparently a lot of this water is not recycled after doing this, and then the beans get milled. So they kind of process out the cherry from the bean, et cetera. Then the beans get grated, sorted, and exported. So that's like just a really brief overview of how it goes from the plant to becoming a bean. And I know we're going to talk a little bit later about the supply chain, specifically around the picking in a little bit. So we will definitely get into that. But I wanted to kind of give an overview of that. I thought it was pretty interesting. And of course, I think... Part of the, as we're talking about the whole kind of entire supply chain, value chain of coffee, you can see how many people are kind of involved in the process, right? From farmers, to organizations that process them and export them. So that's kind of why with exporting anything, you know, there is a level of a price addition. And of course, unfortunately, people who are at the very source, right, of this chain, they actually get the smallest part of the entire kind of value chain. So that's what we can talk about now about the coffee pricing, right? And the difference of what fair trade coffee is. What Fair Trade USA is publishing on September 29th on International Coffee Day and kind of why they're doing it in, in general. Yeah. So I wasn't aware of this, but apparently there is an ongoing global coffee price crisis. I actually have heard of this. It's yeah. interesting, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. but keep going. It's it's really fascinating. So apparently the global pandemic have created the perfect storm in the coffee industry, driving the coffee prices down, actually, even below the cost of production in most countries, which is crazy, right? Yeah, that's insane. So it means the farmer essentially can just throw away coffee because there's absolutely no point of selling it. You know what I mean? I mean, not, not really throwing away. When I was in India, I heard about farmers who had like, growing tomatoes, for example, who literally it made more sense for them to throw away stuff than to sell it because the prices were so low. Again, they're basically losing on each like coffee, kilo of coffee that they've produced. You know what I mean? That's crazy to think. Yeah. I mean, because of the nuances of the way the global market works, you're right. I mean, the pandemic has had a big impact on it. Of course, the amount of coffee in the supply chain will, of course, have an impact on everything as well. But in general, 
what is really hard for any business is to predict the amount of demand yes. relative to the amount of supply you want to put out there. And so it sounds like right now we're kind of in a particularly rough spot when it comes to coffee. So what is Fair Trade USA saying about the situation and how are they saying that we can help as consumers? Let me get back for it in a second. So labor shortages, just so we can all understand. So labor shortages, obviously, around the world because of the pandemic, right? Less people are going to work to, you know, not to get infected by COVID. Coffee prices, I think they have always been volatile. And that's why I think kind of coffee became one of the earliest kind of products for a fair trade movement to support. And of course, there's decreased demand. Just let's just think about, you know, all of the Starbucks around the U.S. that closed down. Right. A lot of these companies, for example, my husband works for Pete's, they have started selling much, much more coffee online kind of direct to consumers, but most likely it's just, it doesn't compensate for the loss of the demand at the coffee places, right? So what is Fair Trade USA doing? Fair Trade essentially is the only mainstream model that guarantees that a minimum price to help coffee producers through hard times is paid to them. So they're establishing the minimums. And another thing that Fair Trade USA and like Fair Trade certifications are ensuring is that, that on top of that, producers who sell on Fair Trade terms earn an additional amount per pound in community development funds that they can spend on quality and productivity improvements and addressing community needs. The cool statistic that they shared that over the last 21 years, Fairtrade certified coffee has generated over $740 million in financial benefit to producers. So again, awesome. financial benefit is basically, again, additional amount that the coffee growers are getting. But from what I understand, you know, in terms of like Fairtrade projects, community development fund, right? It's not like they get the it, it in a form of cash necessarily. It might be in a form of cash, but there is a, it's a community development fund. The amount goes into the fund, and then the cooperative members they actually get to decide. I think it's like uh, on a monthly basis. I don't know on a quarterly basis where these funds are getting spent. So, for example, as far as I understand, you know, if obviously members and farmers are you know short and simple cash, obviously community development fund can be used to help them. Or as I said, quality and productivity improvements, they, for example, can decide to buy better equipment, right? So that's kind of how usually this fair trade surplus works. Got it. Yeah. I mean, it's fascinating. I think the fact that they are guaranteeing this minimum amount of money being spent per pound is so, it's just important. amazing. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. so important and amazing. Yeah, of course, I want to kind of step back and do say fair trade is not a perfect system. And I think they have tried to implement changes that actually makes more sense. There were some different researches before, and I wrote blog posts about it probably like eight years ago or 10, right after I graduated college. There is some criticism to fair trade. And sometimes there have been research studies that basically compared, I think it was, we were talking about farmers, and they basically compared two different groups of farmers. One was working with fair trade terms. The other was just kind of working with regular market prices. And they did not see necessarily the increased in kind of livelihood and increased income. So basically, those specific researchers found like no additional benefit of fair trade. I don't think it's true. Obviously, I don't believe that it's true on a general level, but there is obviously a lot of room for improvement too. And of course, it varies industry by industry, country by country. But again, nothing is perfect. But I mean, obviously, fair trade certification guarantees that 
there is at least as much effort as possible to improve the working conditions and livelihood of farmers. That's the bottom line. Yeah, we talk about this all the time on the podcast, but none of the stuff that we're going to recommend is perfect. Everything in the eco-friendly living ecosystem, if you will, it's a gray area. So I think the best thing we can do as consumers is to pick the one that aligns to our values the most. And that kind of brings me into wanting to talk a little bit about some other certifications that you can look for, you know, when you're shopping for coffee. So we like to say, you know, you can go to Target and be a conscious consumer by finding a fair trade bag of coffee. So fair trade is one thing, but you can also look for a few other things. So One of those things would be to buy organic coffee. So specifically organic certified coffee. Organic coffee certification is based on a system that really wants to promote and enhance natural soil activity and is prohibitive to synthetically produced chemicals. So basically it means like when they are growing these coffee beans, really the coffee cherries, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the soil is disrupted as little as possible. There's also standards that they enforce for recycling waste, reducing water pollution, and all sorts of things. So, you know, when the coffee is grown, the land can't have synthetic pesticides. It's got to have a really interesting buffer between the organic coffee and then the non-organic crops next to it. I remember learning a little bit about this with wine. Wine is the same way. Mm -hmm. So if you care a lot about the environmental impact of your coffee, you can look for organic certified coffee. Thanks so much for listening. We'll get back to today's episode in just a second, but we wanted to take a break to recognize a few companies that we've partnered with. Right now, there are thousands of ethical brands out there, which can be confusing and overwhelming. This is why Brightly exists. We are your guide to doing good in the world through conscious consumerism. We personally vet and try products from every single brand that we partner with, both on our podcast and on our platform, Brightly.eco, so that you don't have to do the research yourself. Partnerships like this are what helps Brightly and our community grow and increase our impact. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Real Paper, tree-free toilet paper made from 100% bamboo. Our community has been asking us about paper-free swaps for items around the house, so this alternative to traditional toilet paper is right up our alley. I don't know about you, Laura, but I always run out of toilet paper. Me too, and I love that Real Paper delivers direct to your home while also using plastic-free packaging. It makes stuff so much easier. Also, while you probably haven't considered the environmental impact of your bathroom habits, unfortunately, over 27,000 trees are flushed down the toilet every day across the world. That's a lot of waste. And by using paper that comes from bamboo, you're supporting a product made out of renewable, eco-friendly resource. It's also super soft, and I couldn't tell a difference between the 100% bamboo paper and what I'm used to. Good Together listeners get 25% off your first order by using code BRIGHTLY at realpaper.com. That's R-E-E-L paper.com. Yeah, 
yeah, I discovered a new one, and I think we've mentioned that in a previous episode, the bird-friendly coffee certification, right? Yes, bird-friendly coffee. That's another favorite of mine. I'm a huge bird nerd. (laughs) I love birds. I used to have pet parakeets growing up. We don't have any pet birds in my family anymore, but I'm a huge fan. I like to bird watch. I'm sure that'll be my golden age hobby, if you will. (laughs) So shade-grown coffee means that... That's another one. Right? Uh, mm-hmm. Bird-friendly coffee equals shade-grown coffee, which means... Oh, so is it exactly the same certification? I'm, I was well, wondering. it's not the same certification. I don't, to the best of my knowledge, and I could be wrong on this, but I don't believe there's like an official certification for shade-grown coffee. I think it's just like a term for it. But mm-hmm. there is a certification for bird-friendly that's coffee, true, which that's means... That's true, right. It just means that the natural habitat around the coffee cherries has not been disturbed to, I don't know, let in more sun or make it more optimal for the coffee growing. What happens is oftentimes the canopy, especially in rainforest type areas, is disturbed um, in order to grow coffee and other crops. There's also a certification put out by the Rainforest Alliance. Yes. Um, So that's another one that you can look for. I think it's more popular, I believe, than bird-friendly coffee right now, but bird-friendly coffee is growing And we like to talk about the different sets of values that people have as conscious consumers. And so, you know, of course, we all care about every single one of these Um, there. You wouldn't be a conscious consumer if you weren't. But oftentimes you do have to pick right when you're going to make that purchase. So you might find yourself kind of trying to pick between a fair trade or a Rainforest mm-hmm. Alliance certified coffee. So that's why we give you all these options. Um, and, you know, you can pick what matters the most to you personally. And shade-grown coffee, yeah, you are, I was just doing a little bit of research while you were talking. It's not a certification, but it's actually, interestingly enough, uh, traditionally all coffee was shade-grown. And essentially oh, it's really? a more, yeah, it's a more sustainable way to grow coffee. Uh, and unfortunately, I think when, you know, when we start kind of growing uh, at industrial levels, then we start using chemicals and we start hurting the environment, essentially. But yeah, interestingly, the bird facts for you, Laura, migrating bird Populations have been in rapid decline, and we've had an episode about this last year. Yes. Mm-hmm. Since the introduction of sun coffee, sun coffee, coffee is quote unquote, and the consequent destruction of rainforest for more coffee plantations. Because again, where are you going to grow coffee? You need plantations, so you cut down the trees. As many as 150 species of birds have been identified on shade coffee. So that's how, that's the connection between protecting the bird population and coffee. And of course, you know, if you don't cut down rainforest uh, for coffee plantations, we are saving rainforest and we are helping the environment. But again, ideally you want to find coffee, right? With every single certification out there. One of my favorite actually coffees. Not by the taste, but more like by the value of the company. It's from a company called Level Crown. They're actually Canadian, but they work here in the U.S. They are members of the Fair Trade uh, Federation. Because for me, as you know, I'm kind folk, right? And brightly sustainability superpower quiz. I didn't know that, Lisa. I thought that you were. Wait, are you a good folk or are you a, a kind good mind? Sorry, I combine <laughs> it. I combine it. So no, I am a good folk. Yeah, I'm good okay. Folk that's what I thought. Yeah, <laughs> I'm also kind. And anyways, again, I'm good folk because uh, kind of my core values are human rights, fair trade. 
And so this level ground coffee, the coolest thing about them, um, I mean, again, they're fair trade, but they literally have uh, faces of the farmers right on their packaging. And of course, a little bit of a story or at least their name uh, at the back of the package as well. And then I think, of course, it's a great marketing right? <laughs> tool, but I always say like, look for transparency in companies. So the more transparent the company is, the more information you can find all the way down to the supply chain, right? All the way down to the farmer, the more I trust this company, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think in general, it's a really important purchasing decision that we can make because we, most of us are drinking coffee every single day. We did find a few brands who happen to have a lot of the certifications. So this is very exciting. I'm going to order these. So typically when we do brand recommendations on Brightly, Lisa and I will have tried them ourselves. But sometimes, of course, we find new ones. We don't have time to try them right before we chat with you. So we would love for you as our community to help try these out and tell us how they taste, right? So just tag us on social, email us, let us know. But here's a few of them. So one is called Ampersand Coffee. Ampersand Coffee is bird-friendly certified, fair trade certified, Rainforest Alliance. (laughs) And then they partner with the International Women's Coffee Alliance, which makes sure that women are respected, are elevated to positions of importance and influence in the coffee industry. So I mean, yeah, ampersand coffee. Like, yeah. What can we say about? <laughs> what else can we say about that? There is one that I personally have tried called Birds and Beans. We mentioned them in our previous episode about the birds and the bees, which mm-hmm. is not about what you think it is. <laughs> it's literally about birds and bees. Please take a listen to that. We released it last year, but Birds and Beans is bird friendly. It's certified organic and fair trade certified. So there's just some really interesting brands out there doing it right. And I think yeah, it's just exciting. That's interesting. You know, I was mentioning that Starbucks is not ethical necessarily, but it is surprisingly sustainable. And apparently their sustainability, of course, you know, a lot of companies, big companies will have a sustainability page, but the most important part is when it gets actually verified by a third party. So apparently Conservation International has verified that 99% of Starbucks coffee is ethically the source, but it's not fair trade, right? I think only maybe, I remember I was listening to a presentation by Paul Rice from Fair Trade USA, and he was saying, you know, maybe it's ethical, but look at a Starbucks kind of product line. There's maybe one or two coffees out of them are actually fair trade. And I think the main reason is that, of course, a company has to pay a premium, right, for fair trade coffee. So it's a business decision. But I think Hopefully, the big giants of the coffee industry, like Starbucks and Pete's, would be willing to invest in this fair trade premium. I'm really rooting for Starbucks and the big chains to use their dollars for good, too, Lisa. Speaking of the environmental impact of coffee shops, both big and small, a while back, Lisa and I had the chance to talk to Olivia Young's a slow fashion influencer formerly known as Simply Live in Company. Now she's known as The Simply Live on Instagram. This year, Olivia followed her dreams and opened up a tiny coffee shop in Colorado called Simple Coffee Company. One of the most interesting things she's doing as a small business owner is serving every single cup of coffee, even the to-go orders, in glass jars. I'll let her elaborate more in her own words. My shop doesn't use paper cups at all. We don't use plastic or paper cups, and we're trying to phase out as many single-use items as possible. And instead of plastic or paper cups, we just use glass jars. 
And we're not the first to do this. There have been several other coffee shops that I reached out to and was inspired by. But yeah, when people come in, I usually just give them the spiel. I call it right off the bat because they're either like, oh, can I actually get this to go? When I start making their drink in a jar and I'm like, Mm -hmm. actually, these are our to-go cups and we just don't use plastic. And you're welcome to bring it back. We give people a discount if they bring it back in or reuse it, but it's theirs to keep. And people are usually like either really excited about it, super on board, or kind of like, oh, that's weird, but okay. (laughs) The reason why Liv has taken the stance to have no cups at all, other than glass cups like she just talked about, is because you might not know that the plastic or paper cups that you're using, even if they say that they're compostable, are not usually recyclable or compostable the way you think they are. So we really applaud Liv for both her contributions to the slow fashion and slow living community in general, but also for her impact as a small business owner. To follow Liv, check out The Simply Live on Instagram, and don't forget to check out her former RV life. It's fascinating. Now let's get back to the rest of the episode. come up with their own certification eventually. That'd be interesting to watch. Like you never know. But I think we can't have this episode without talking about how many people go to Starbucks. And I don't have the numbers in front of me, but anecdotally, you know, somebody that probably goes every day. And I, and I'm talking about even during this pandemic, like I have a friend who literally just still goes every day and that's fine. There's a ton of people that are quote unquote addicted to Starbucks. We don't advocate for any addiction here on Good Together and with Brightly, but if you're going to Starbucks, we don't want to villainize this. What we do want to say is when you're there, if you're getting drip coffee, they usually have like four or five, well, depending on the size of Starbucks, but usually they have a few options available for drip coffee. So ask about that because you can, you know, directly ask about that specific variety of coffee before you order it. And of course, you know, they have a general espresso blend that they use, which I don't know what the origins of that are, but you could literally just ask the barista, do you know if any of this coffee is fair trade? Mm -hmm. Or do you know if any of it is ethical and sustainable? And They probably don't know, but just asking that is going to start a conversation with their manager eventually. I know it will because you have, when you work retail, you have like check-ins and sort of morning meetings and things like that. So you know it's going to trickle to the managers. That's going to go up the chain, like, and it's going to create a lot of questions. And just, you know, especially if you know your barista, a lot of people that are daily patrons (laughs) know the barista. So you might feel more comfortable talking to someone that like, doesn't just think you're a crazy random person. But anyway, just think about ways you can potentially ask those questions when you go to Starbucks. I mean, what we're trying to say too is really the more sustainable thing to do would be to do this at home because you're not getting in the car and using up gas to go to Starbucks and, you know, using a cup. You know, I know we like to say bring a reusable cup. Right now that's not possible because of the pandemic. So you are still generating a little bit more trash and stuff. So why don't you try buying a bag of your favorite certification? We, we're not, we're not even going to say which one because you, mm-hmm. you should be an expert now. Why don't you try finding a bag of that and maybe doing a little homebrew situation once or twice a week, right? And you don't yeah. have to do it every day. Yeah. yeah. As I mentioned, like I'm not like a coffee connoisseur by any means. And my friends, I just realized because they were talking about buying like a super fancy, like whatever, espresso machine or something like this. And now I'm just finally realizing that, you know, 
I guess they're struggling a bit more now during the pandemic since, you, you know, they try not to go to coffee places as much. So they're making their own. So, yeah, this would be the most um, sustainable kind of way to drink coffee is making coffee at home and with your favorite certification and using your own cup at home, of course. Yeah, we actually invested in an espresso machine. And this is just going to sound so ridiculous in first world. But we did it for a financial reason for my family because we figured I was one of those people. I wasn't going to Starbucks every day. I was going to, I used to commute on a ferry back when I lived on an island close to Seattle years ago. It would commute on a ferry every morning to come into work at Amazon. And there was a little like coffee shack. Those are pretty common up, up here in Pacific Northwest, like a little coffee shack next to the ferry terminal. And so I got into this groove where you can imagine I was having to get up at the crack of dawn to get on a ferry to get my my butt to work. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get an espresso every morning. And I mean, I loved the ritual. I think a lot of the of this yeah. for people is rituals, right? So I love the ritual. I would get my nice warm cup of coffee. I would go sit on the ferry and kind of just sleep or <laughs> whatever I would do. But that was costing us money. I think it was at least four bucks a day. It was probably closer to five. Yeah, and up. that adds up a lot. And so my husband was like, why don't we look into getting an espresso machine? Sure, it's going to be expensive at first, but it's eventually going to pay for itself. And don't you know when significant others use that phrase, it's going to pay for itself? That's when you usually have like the tuning out, you know, you're like, mm-hmm, yeah, sure. <laughs> I feel like that's like a code for me to be like, okay, really? But in this case, it actually made sense. So what did we do? You guys know, if you're a listener, we went on Craigslist. That's the Wittig way. We went on Craigslist and found a espresso machine. And we just we use it all the time now. So, you know, if you want to save up and you want to have a different way to make coffee, then I recommend it. And you do have to learn how to use it. It takes a little bit of getting used to but then that's like kind of a fun new hobby, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, a few other things in terms of like, how do we sip coffee sustainably? Of course, avoid single use straws. Yes. You know, if you're drinking cold coffee or iced coffee. Or single use pots, like Keurigs and stuff. Like, no, please don't do that. No, please don't. (laughs) Just don't. Well, we can put an asterisk that. Uh Don't do it unless they're actually recyclable. And I want you to, if you're one of these folks using like a Nespresso or a Keurig or one of the brands that are Mm -hmm. the single-use pods, a lot of them will say they are recyclable. I want you to double-check that because I think at least with Nespresso, they used to only be recyclable with Nespresso. So like you would have to go find a place to drop them off or you'd have to mail them back, which again, like that's creating a lot of waste. There are, I believe, some Keurigs that have ways that you can do. I remember I used to do this way back in the day when I had a Keurig. They have a refillable sort of reusable pod that like tricks the Keurig maker into thinking it's a single use one, but you can just keep filling it up with your own coffee. So there's ways to do it. But like we say on this podcast all the time, like do your own research just because somebody says it's recyclable, just like double click on that, right? Yeah, we definitely need an episode on this. Laura, you found this great article and then not everything that says recyclable is recyclable. And yeah, for me personally, as a consumer, I would never consider that recyclable. That's not what we think is recyclable. Recyclable, we think we can throw it in the recyclable bin. bin but when it means that you have to mail it back or you can only recycle with a company specifically, that's just misleading, right? It's misleading. Uh, You're right. It's not a- 
wrong. Yeah. But it's definitely misleading. It's misleading, yeah. Anyways, I, I think this is kind of all of the the tips that we have for you guys for coffee, right, Laura? Yeah, I mean, it's so, it's so time appropriate. I mean, I know people are starting to get into pumpkin spice latte oh time. But you know what's funny, actually, on pumpkin spice latte before we end, this is like really interesting. So it's been kind of now a tradition for people to hate on pumpkin spice lattes like there's just like a little negative yeah i don't know if you know you know if you don't you don't and i'm not gonna go into it <laughs> but um somebody mentioned that you know to, to hate on that is a little bit ridiculous because it's just people expressing their love for fall and i was like you know what i love the way that they've said that right <laughs> like if you want a pumpkin size latte go ahead go please ahead. have that yeah but ask your barista if it's fair trade right yeah yes, exactly <laughs> awesome anyways well happy international coffee day for everyone and again please sip sustainably yes please do Thanks for joining us on another episode of Good Together. As always, you can get show notes and explore lots more content related to all things eco-friendly living by checking out brightly.eco slash podcast. And don't forget to join in on the conversation that's happening on our Facebook group. Simply search Good Together Ethical Shopping and it'll come up. You can also leave us a question through voicemail. The link is on brightly.eco slash podcast. If you're into social media, give us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, and all of the channels. Our username is brightly.eco. Finally, we want to leave you with a reminder. Every day is a chance for you to create change, and you're already covered for today since you joined us here on the podcast. Stay kind and live brightly.